I'd become this high-grade brain cancer patient. It was, um, it was surreal, I've got to say. I couldn't change, you can't change yesterday or, or last week or the last 12 months, but we can change what happens today and we can wake up tomorrow and do it again. So we've just got to show resilience. You know, it's not all going to go to plan. So when your turn comes in life to deal with situations, step up, be the leader, um, take each day as it comes and, and fight your way out of it. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. Of course, it's your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge. And I'm blessed to be here with the, the great Mark Hughes. And Mark, it's funny, when, when we teed this up, I'd obviously heard much about your story. I'm a big mm. fan of rugby league. Yep. And I've had the privilege of hearing about all the great things you're doing mm. over the course of the last few years. And I kind of thought, there's almost like three ways I could intro this. We're talking like a legend of rugby league. You achieved so much within yep. 10 years at a club that is very proud and very strong here in Newcastle, where yeah. we are. Yeah. There's also the, the battle with brain cancer and all the amazing work you're mm. doing with your very own foundation, the Mark Hughes yeah. Foundation. Yeah. And you know, listeners and viewers of the show will know why that means so much mm. to me and, and why that's such a big piece of what we'll talk about today. But the third thing, mate, the thing that continue to come up time and time again as I told people that I was coming mm. here to chat with you was he's potentially the best bloke you'll ever meet. <laughs> well, I, I hope I can... Mate, yeah, 100%. Know, mate, you've confirmed it. You've confirmed <laughs> it. Everyone says such good things about you. Mm. And I think oh, that's please. for a few reasons. I think it's because anyone knows at home listening to this or watching this, the courage it takes and mm. the absolute admiration I'd have for you or anyone would have for you um, understanding what you've been through over the course of these last few years and continuing to smile as you do mm. and show a brave face. But not only do that, go on and do incredible work for people who also suffer from brain cancer mm. or live within that realm. So, mate, maybe you can give us a bit of an idea of where this all started. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for that introduction, Brad, and great to have you here in Newcastle, mate. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah, look, uh, I was 36 years of age at the time and I had three children under 10 and uh, life was good and um, I felt bulletproof and fit and healthy and uh, from nowhere I had uh, headaches for two days and then um, <clears throat> it was a bit unusual and I went to my doctor's, he, he, he was a bit funny about it, he said go and get a scan and right from that sort of moment from when I got that scan my life um, completely changed. Um, I was uh, rushed to um, John Hunter Hospital to get surgery, had a um, tumour removed. Um, it's like a little avocado sized tumour. Um, then went through radiation and chemotherapy and I've become this high grade brain cancer patient. It was, um, it was surreal, I've got to say. When you get that news, are they certain of what it is straight away or does it take time to figure that yeah. out? No, there's a bit of uncertainty. There is um, for a little bit. So, we got the tumour out with hope that it wasn't going to be cancer or yeah. at worst it would be low grade. Uh, then we spent probably about five to ten days waiting for the results. And that was very, that's frustrating and agonising. And me and my wife Kiralee went in uh, to the doctor's surgery and uh, he sat us down and just sort of simply said, I'm sorry Mark, you know, you've got high grade brain cancer. Uh, it was a really tough, um, yeah, it was a tough pill to swallow. Um, you know, no cure for brain cancer. That's, that's, that's the facts. Um, brain cancer kills more people 40 and under than any other disease, along with uh, children 10 and under. So this is a tough, you know, I've played against some tough teams and tough opposition, but uh, the old brain cancer is definitely the toughest. 
Mate, talk me through that moment of hearing the news because I can only imagine that a few potential things run through your head. Like, is it disbelief and almost a want to not believe it? Is it just pure frustration and anger or, or sadness or, you know, what runs through your head in that moment? Uh, you, 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 your thoughts do control, they go out of control, uh, they spiral and um, the people around you, it, it affects them really bad as well. Mm. Uh, you know, my wife and family and so yeah, there was a lot of emotion going on with everyone. I, I tried to keep it together. Um, I remember going on some walks on my own and just thinking about um, the scenarios and it was, you know, it's not healthy to be thinking too much about it. Um, you know, this disease, I've never Googled it. Um, you know, I've never looked it up on, online and stuff like that because from what I'm told, it's really bad reading and um, I didn't want to do that. Um, so yeah, for the first month, things were tough. Um, you know, me overthinking things, panicking, you know, not getting enough information in, so we were a bit lost. And I'll talk about our brain cancer care nurses a bit later, but you know, there was definitely a gap in my journey where <clears throat> we didn't feel like we were getting the information or we, because brain cancer is not something that everyone knows a lot about. It's a very specialized mm. cancer. Um, but I, I sort of felt that um, I had to, you know, control my thoughts and gather my thoughts and, and be strong. That's how I've always sort of been. And I had a family and everyone around me. So I, yeah, I, I quickly clicked into gear. I heard you talk about that exact moment there in an interview just yesterday that I watched from a whopping seven or eight years ago now. Yeah. And you spoke about almost this willingness and wanting to go and make videos for your children's milestone mm. birthdays yeah, yeah. and like those negative thoughts running through your head. And then you spoke about that change. And I've spoken about this recently with a, a guest of the podcast just a few weeks back. And you know, sickness and ill health can sometimes feel like a dark room where it just takes enough searching to find a little bit of light and let it in. Yeah. And then that positivity overruns the, the darkness yeah. and overrides yes. it. And it seems like you've done that. What do you think inspired that switch? Look, I think um, the decision from Kirillian and myself to um, start, start a foundation, I think that that was a real positive for, for us. Mm. And we weren't, just fo we weren't just focusing on my situation. We were focusing on the bigger picture of solving this problem and helping others. And I think when you do that, when you, when you make a difference and you're helping other people, you feel much better within yourself. So I think the fact that we started the foundation uh, right from the recovery ward bed pretty much, it gave us a real strong positive focus and something to cling on to, uh, rather than just focusing on my situation on its own. So I think that's been a really, really great part of my fight back, I guess you'd say, yeah. I'd say undoubtedly that's why you've been as successful with the foundation as you have been, because it's true empathy. Like you understand the journey for anyone with brain cancer, mm and your family understand, I guess, the, the harsh realities and the, the tough nature of like living with a loved one who is, who is mm, being challenged yes. by this. But how hard is it at stages to show up to work, to continue to grow this when you're going through a fight? Yeah, well, <clears throat> tell you Brad, I get surrounded by so much support, you know, like I drive around, I see the beanies, you know, your hometown of Wollongong, I could drive there, I would see our beanies. 100%. That gives me strength and hope that, you know, there's so much support out there for us. And I meet so many people along this brain cancer journey and they've got the fight and the, the attitude of me, but they don't quite get the same opportunities I get. 
and you know, and brain cancer will take lives and, and fast. So I get, I get strength out of knowing that I'm still here, I'm still in the fight, I'm carrying the torch for so many people and that so many people would love to have the, be in my shoes and still be in the fight and that's what I'm in and I'm representing so many people. So I need to, I need to stay energized, I need to, I need to stay focused. Um, I've got an amazing MHF team around me. I've got an awesome friends, you know, my former teammates and my, mm. my mates from Curry. Great people around me. And um, look, I have down days as well, you know, you're a bit tired and yeah, all that, just sure. like anyone else. But generally, I, um, I, I keep energized the best I can, yeah. Mate, it's so yeah. good to hear. And I think it's interesting to look at you as such a positive person before and after this diagnosis. And mm. you were like, kind of like I remember watching old clips of you playing and old interviews and interactions with other teammates and interactions with the media and fans and you're always like this beacon of light. Mm. Do you think that's come from like a real young age? Is that something that was bred into you by parents or your childhood? I had a great upbringing at Curry Curry. We loved our sport. We didn't have mm. the beach. Uh, Newcastle's probably 45 minutes away. So we had just a great little community there and <laughs> rugby league was was everything and sport was everything. And I just loved playing footy. And um, I went right through the Curry Junior grades. I didn't, I didn't get in the Knights Juniors, you know, I, I just was a good Curry boy. <clears throat> and when I finally, when I got my opportunity at 18 or 19 at the Knights, I just was gonna make the most of it, you know, and I was gonna enjoy it. And I was, I was just so grateful to be in this, in this system. And um, it was not hard for me to be happy and, and, and just be that team player, which yeah, is probably what I was. And I was, um, I just loved it. I just, I just had so much enjoyment out of rugby league and took so much out of it. Um, I gave a lot back. I was, I was always in the community doing things and um, the community have certainly paid me back for anything I've ever done, that's for sure. Mate, I think that's such a good point. And it's, you know, my mum says it all the time, good karma, right? And, mm. and I honestly believe that plays a big part in it and it plays a big part in why nationwide like you said people are wearing beanies in Wollongong mm. you're hearing reports from Western Australia where people are getting behind this mm. from NT it's literally all over the country that people are living and breathing the message that you're yeah. creating here at MHF yeah talk to me about you know that change in what life looks like moving forward like you finish footy that's a scary enough time for most guys yeah to leave the game yeah. Where was your headspace at at that time in your life and what were the plans? Well, uh, I, I retired reasonably young. I think I was 29, 30. Um, mm. Just a few injuries and stuff, but had a wonderful uh, journey there with the rugby league. But I was ready to, to get into life, you know, and um, I did that and started up a, a business and worked really hard in that. So, you know, life was going really well for me and um, I was happy and working hard, uh, I was doing little bits for the club on game day for the nights, which I currently still do today. Um, so yeah, life was good, uh, but then yeah, it just all cha it just changed and I, I sold the business and um, just had to focus on myself and get myself right and get my treatments done and then start again. Um, and I've learned so much, you know, I had some great leaders at the club, none better than Paul Harrigan. He's a great Amazing friend, friend and amazing leader and I learned a lot off him and you know, when I did take um, this foundation on, I, I grew as a person. So did Kira Lee, my wife. And, um, you know, it was a lot about leadership and all these things that I've learned. And I now know that I am, you know, someone that uh, is a leader. And I know that a lot of people uh, with brain cancer 
look to me for hope and um, I'm comfortable with that role. Matt, I can imagine you said something there. You said you learned a lot as a person in the early days of MHF. I can imagine that in the early days of a brain cancer patient, like being a brain cancer patient, you learn a lot from other people who are in the hospital system and within that brain cancer system too. I can remember being a young guy, being probably nine or 10 at the time, first time ever in hospital with my cystic fibrosis. And I met this, this young lad, his name was Christenan. He was only mm. nine years of age at the time and he had leukemia. And I remember just watching his daily interactions, the yeah. pure joy and happiness that come from this kid. Yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, how on earth can this kid be so happy in the face of all the adversity he has in his life right now? He didn't have his family there to support him. My parents often fed him and looked after him. And I remember just thinking, there's something about what he has that yeah. I want to have that in my tough moments too. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned so much from him and there's been so many like him along the way. Were the people that you've learned from throughout the course of this journey? Yeah, absolutely. From when I was in the, in the hospital and I met a lot of older people in, that, um, in my ward and I, I, I enjoyed talking with them and sharing my, my experiences. And um, <clears throat> then I've, um, along the way, I've just met some families and some people that have been affected by brain cancer and they've, they've still put their hand up to help. You know, and um, Matt Callender was a Channel 9 employee and he, he helped instigate the beating for brain cancer around whilst he was very sick. So the whole Callender family got right behind that and that, that was a special one. But I, I've met so many families and then they go and they raise money, they lose their loved one, but then they, they do a function and raise mm. 40,000 and just, just inspirational people. And even though it can't probably help their own situation, they want to help people in the future, which is so nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's encouraging, isn't it? And yeah. it's empowering for so many. Yeah. Mate, if you had the choice, and this is a very impossible question because mm. I can only answer this for myself, and I know people have asked me this question before, so I can imagine your answer yeah. may be a little different than mine. But if you had the choice to go back in time and change the course of everything that's happened to not have this diagnosis or to have it and to be able to do the work that you've done, where do you think your head lies with that question? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough question. It is. Um, look, um, I've always probably said I would prefer to have not been in this situation, uh, particularly early on uh, when it looked so grim. But the more I've learnt about it and the longer I'm going, I'm building confidence. And So I'm very grateful for uh, what I'm achieving and what, what this is all about. Um, so, But I still... Deep down, I suppose I, I, I would rather just been healthy and not have to deal with that. But it's the cards I've been dealt and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up the ball and run with it. And that's what I, I always said I'd sort of go down swinging, so to speak. And um, I think that's what we're doing. We're just swinging hard and um, giving it our best shot. You've got two kids, don't you? I've got two boys and a girl. Okay. Uh, so 18, um, 14 and 11. Yeah. So, you know, they were a lot younger when all this sort of happened. So they're too young to probably understand, but I think they get a feel now for what, 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 what I'm involved in. Yeah. Because I think to them and everyone who listens to or watches this show will be sick of hearing me talk about my parents, but my parents have been the most amazing role models I could have ever been gifted. Yeah. And I look at you and your mm. attitude and what you're doing mm. here right now in this yeah. moment, and I think of your kids and I think you know, they would have been inspired by a dad who was a rugby league legend and mm. had done so much in the course of his career. 
yeah. and also a good human being. Yeah. But I look at them now and I think, what a blessing that you are to them because, mate, I think this journey over the last seven or eight years is going to teach them so much about life. And I just think your headspace and the way yeah. that you approach everything yeah. you do is so inspiring, mate. So, yeah. I, you know, I ask that question with that in mind almost because I think it's just so encouraging. And I think there are very few people who can, as you would say, hold the torches you have. Mm. Yeah, no, that's nice, mate. And it's nice to think that, yeah, the kids would be getting a, a little bit of inspiration from what I'm doing. And I hope everyone that um, sort of sees what I do, if my advice is if you believe in something, um, you know, stand up for it and, and give it a shot, you know. Um, if you, in your heart you believe in something, whether that's work-wise or charity-wise or whatever it is in life, and stand up and take it on. I think it's very important. And um, I'm living and breathing it, um, heart and soul into it, and, um, it's, and I've got a team around me that are, that are passionate and, and do the same. It's, um, it's very fulfilling and very enjoyable and very rewarding what I'm going through. And I did achieve uh, in rugby league, and it was a wonderful journey. But gee, some of this stuff that we're doing now is very important, and you know, it's um, it's connected me with so many different people, and reconnected me with former teammates and mates, and everyone puts their hands up to to, to, to sort of help us. So it's a very um, it's a very humbling thing to be a part of. How would you say that your mindset towards life and the way that you lead your life has changed in the course of the last few years? Do you think you're now appreciate different moments and different aspects of life more than you did before or like are you living different than how you yeah. would have yeah definitely i think um unfortunately when you go through something as serious and life-changing as this you do reassess and i encourage people to not wait for it for an illness to, to do that and you know there's simple things like um we have our gym's air locker and in every air locker you'll see a sign make today count mm. and that's just that's something that um i i sort of run by now um I couldn't change, you can't change yesterday or, or last week or the last 12 months, but we can change what happens today and we can wake up tomorrow and do it again. So I try and make today count the best I can. I think that's a really good thing. I like to say, get the good china out. Um, it's like, you know, the, the back of the cupboard, grandma's yeah. old cups and take the time to do good things in your day, you know, because this might be the best time of your life and you're just, you're not present enough to think about it because all you're worried about is in what's going to be in 10 years time or what's happened or so I just try and focus on this and make it the best I can. Mate I love that and you know it's funny I've, I've spoken with mates about this quite extensively about the idea of life expectancy in any regard and you know for someone with cystic fibrosis at the moment it's about 38 to 40 years of age in Australia Yeah. and you know I can imagine that depending on where you're at in a brain cancer journey mm. um, it's a similar thing it's mm. grim right. Yeah. And I say to my mates all the time, but what is life expectancy? Because no one's guaranteed anything in this life. Yeah. Not you at full health and, and young and as yeah. vibrant as you are now. Not me with the challenges I have. And it really is about adopt, adopting that headspace that you said, like just embrace every moment for what it is. You can only wake up today and yeah. do what's in front of you. Yeah. And so it's so true. It's so well said, mate. Yeah, it is, mate. And yeah, like the way you live in your life, you're doing exactly what I'm doing. And yeah, that's awesome, mate, because, um, yeah, we don't know what's, what's down the track, so we'll just try and make best of what we've got now, and I think 100%. it's a good way to live. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. When you started MHF, was there an objective for what the foundation would be? Was it 
okay, we're going to raise a bunch of money for research and development of drugs and, you know, to find yeah. a cure? Or was it more care-based? Well, uh, a mixture of both. Um, we'd love to help individual families, but we just couldn't work out a solution with that. And how do you say no to this family and, not to this, and yes to this family? Yeah. So we decided the best thing we can do for people is to find a cure for brain cancer. That's the problem. So we, we, we focus on that with our research. We also have brain cancer care nurses throughout regional New South Wales. Now, um, during my journey, I was lost. I didn't know what, what to do, um, who to talk to. I didn't know what all these big words they were using. Our nurses, our care nurses, they, they book your meetings. They, they come into them with you. They do so much more than a normal nurse. So <clears throat> that, that part of the, the, the foundation we're very proud of, and it's helping people right now. Um, and now our research, which we have around Australia, we've now centralised, we've got a really big um, thing at the university now, it's called the Mark Hughes Foundation Brain Cancer Centre, and we're filling that with the best uh, amazing researchers. Uh, it's going to be, it's world class. We're very excited about this. So that's a big thing we've got going at the moment. Um, but at the end of the day, people are alive, they need a cure. That's simple. And we're racing to, to find one. Definitely. Is there any advice for people like early on in their life before any of these thoughts of brain cancer or potential challenges are, you know, afoot. Is there anything that people can be doing to make sure their brain's in a good place? No, nah, that's, that's the thing. It just sneaks up on you. It's not, mm. it's not something that there's, we don't know the reasons why and you, you're not going to probably know. So there's not too much you can do. Um, it's silent, isn't it? It's a bit silent. Then one day uh, someone will have a seizure, they'll have headaches, they'll get dizzy couple of little signs like that and that's when that's when it, it's um, sort of all, all hell will break loose if um, you get a scan and there's problems. The idea of a headache is a scary thing because it's so common you know yeah. people get stress headaches, dehydration, yeah, yeah. like did you feel things that were different to the regular headache? It was definitely a lot heavier than my normal headaches yeah. and <clears throat> went for a lot longer yeah. But I just thought it was, you know, a migraine or something. I ne mm. never had one, but I felt, oh, well, this is a migraine. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, one of those things. And how early was that in the piece that they caught it? Can they tell? Like, no, the they can't the really tell. No. Mate, it's, it just sounds like Could one have been of those there for years. That, like or... you said, it truly creeps up. Yep. Yep. Mate, so, so it creeps scary. up on people. So that's, that's a big mystery to, to, about brain cancer. So as you've gone through the foundation, you know, I'm jumping back and forth here, and it's just natural intrigue and curiosity yeah. that that sort of sparks these questions. Yeah. Like, I would just think if I was in your shoes, where do I start? Was there anyone who guided you and gave you advice on the direction that this needed to take? Yeah, we had uh, HMRI, which is a big Hunter Medical Research Institute in um, Newcastle. Yeah. They do amazing things there. We, we, we lent on them a lot and spoke to them because they, they do a lot of research in all different fields. We said we needed to focus on brain cancer and they gave us some advice. We started up a scientific committee, which was, is an amazing group that steer and worked out where we should be putting our money. Um, so yeah, we lent on some good people, um, you know, and we just, um, we just give it a shot, you know. We just, we, you know, we started fundraising and then we, we, we just kept growing and learning as we went. What have been the key things for you to fundraise the amount you have thus far? Like, do you have a total that you've reached yeah. over the course of... Yeah, so it's, yeah, so I think we'd be around, around 30 million raised. Wow, um, Man, that's incredible. Yeah, so that's pretty amazing. Um, the Probably, obviously, the beanies. Um, when I was um, sick, I wore a beanie a lot. So we decided beanies 
I decided beanies and brain cancer had a really good ring to it. It like, does. Yeah. And um, so we got a few local schools to bring their favourite beanies to school and bring a $2 coin donation. So a few local schools did that and we thought, oh, this is fun and people enjoyed it. And then we decided to um, design our own beanies and then the NRL jumped in and then that sort of grew from there. The other huge part of our foundation has been our treks. We've done some adventures. Oh, wow. Oh, it's been amazing. So, Talk to me about that. Yeah, yeah two, my two great mates, Paul Harrigan and Bill Peden, former teammates, they said we need to start challenging ourselves and doing something um, to help the foundation. So we started off with Kokoda with about 18 people. What a place to start. Yeah, it's amazing there. So what we actually did, uh, we went to a place called Boona, which is one side of PNG. We rode our mountain bikes 100 Ks. Then we did the walk. Then we rode our mountain bikes another 20 K to the other side, went right across the country. Oh, yeah. I don't know where it's been done. It was a crazy expedition. We thought, this is, this is great. And we raised 150 grand with 18 of us. Yeah. So the next year we went to base camp Mount Everest um, we had about 30 of us. Um, I had um, Beaver Menzies come on that one. Yeah, yeah the Beaver. Um, Matty Johns joined us on that yeah. one. And uh, I had guys like ben, Danny Badiris and the Gidley wow. Brothers and Chief and Billy, Steve Crow, and, and, and just some great people. Lots of great That's people. That's amazing, yeah. So we did that. We raised 500 grand. Um, How long does it take to get to base camp? I think it was about five or six days, maybe, yeah. Yeah, and a couple of days back. But... You don't walk as quick because of the altitude, you know, and you don't go as far. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty slow, um, but what an experience that was. Then we went to a place called Borneo and did the Borneo Death March, which is what something our, our soldiers did in the 40s. Um, that was an amazing experience. Then we went to um, Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa, which is the highest mountain in the world, freestanding mountain, 6,000 metres above sea level. Um, Trent Robinson joined us on that one, Roosters coach. I'm, I'm a Roosters man too. Oh, he was, he was just wonderful and w the way he spoke and on the last night <clears throat> we left our camp at 11pm to get to the top, got up there about 7 or 8 in the morning and it was raining, it was snow, it was cold and he sat us in there before we left and he sort of just simply said today's game day and we don't lose on game day, whatever happens it doesn't matter, we're going to get there and that was simple but really good words yeah. and yeah, really, really great man to have on tour and um, we, uh, we made it up there. I think only one or two of us didn't quite make it but every, pretty much everyone made it. Um, yeah, just a, a wonderful, um, no, wonderful thing to be a part of. Then we did <coughs> um, Darwin this year on a bike riding of about 400 k's in the heat, Kakadu and all that. Mm. Had 30 odd people. Um, <coughs> wow, that was... That was amazing as well. We raised 700 grand, I think. And yeah, so yeah, it's great because you get self-growth, each, each other working really hard. You, you fundraise, um, there's so much you get out of it. Teamwork. Of course. And you know, on those mountains, it's just about putting one foot in front of the other, you know, and not going it too fast. And just, that's all, that's what life's about. You know, just keep moving forward slowly. And that, that's all you do. And I remember one stage I looked forward and at a river crossing and stumbled and fell and that's, you know, that's what we talk about make today count. Well, I was looking ahead mm. instead of just worrying about my next step and um, yeah, it's a really good, um, really good thing to do is, is, is uh, these adventures and um, yeah, we'll, I'll continue to do those. I think I could take a leaf out of your book here, Mark, because I look at those experiences and I think they've got almost two elements to it. It's the physical challenge, yes. which I know 
very well. I've, I've run a couple of marathons. I've got my next one coming up in a month. Wow. But what I haven't understood yet mm. is exactly what you're doing here and going somewhere that's really just bloody magnificent and experience something that's kind of a bucket list item. And do you think that, that you know, has that been something you've just stumbled across or is it no pun intended there, or is that literally you going, you know, I want to have these incredibly rich experiences with people that, that I know and love mm. and challenge myself at the same time? It wasn't on my radar, to be honest, until, the, till, till it was asked of me by the boys. Mm. And um, I thought, oh yeah, let's give it a go. Um, and then as soon as I started doing it, I was addicted, you know, back into that, uh, into that team, you know, teamwork and camaraderie and just loved it and being in the trenches with, with people. And not just my mates, they're people that I don't know that come and do it and they're, they're amazing as well. And um, yeah, it's just now something that's, I look back at it as some of the best things I've ever done in my life. So very grateful that we've done those, those journeys. Man, you said it there, teamwork. You know, a big part of my journey has been building a community around me who encourage positive things and positive yeah. habits. Yeah. How important do you think that is for anyone in any walk of life? So important, and I say to people that um, some of the things that are important to me is to make sure you surround yourself with the right friends, the right family, and life's too short. So if if friendships, people are, are bringing you down or it's a bit toxic, well, make some changes. Because mm. if you don't change your choices, nothing changes in life. So there's times where you've got to make those decisions, and if you're in a relationship or, or mates or workplace that's negative and not working for you, well, you need to make that choice and move because life's too short to be just, you know, not happy. And um, I think it's very important that we, um, you know, we, we think about our choices daily because um, if we don't change, if you're not happy and you don't change your choices, nothing else will change, you know, and you'll still have the same problems. Oh, mate, I love that and I couldn't have said it better myself. It, it makes me think, have you cut anything out of your life in the course of the last few years that you felt didn't align with yeah. those values? Um, mate, look, I've just, I've been a bit smarter and, you know, we, I've definitely looked at my diet and made some changes and, mm. um, you know, but probably more selective on eating rubbish and different things. But, um, look, I've just grown as a person and a leader out of the, out of the, out of the trauma that I went through. Um, and I think when you, when you... When you go through failure, if you go through the other side, um, you come out better and bigger, and that's sort of how I've done it. And um, you know, I just think in life, when things go wrong uh, or you go through the struggle, you've got to worm your way out of those struggles. And when you do that, you'll be stronger for it, and you're going to be better for it. And you might be able, you might agree with me on that. Is that, yeah, get yourself through the struggles, and your life can be actually, it can be better. Mate, I, I couldn't agree more. I think if I look at my life particularly the last couple of years, on the other side of real challenge has been some of the best and most, yes. for me, personally inspiring moments in my life that have really forced my growth, like yep. they've forced my hand and it's, it's required me to get yes. a little bit more resilient, a little bit more courageous and keep moving forward. And mate, I'm so, I feel so yeah. blessed to have mm. had the experiences I've had. That's Because right. it's made me who I am. Yes. I don't know that I'd be the same person had life had been a little easier. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, there's no doubt about it when you, it was like some of the best footy games I played in. The memories for the, the harder ones, you know, because you get through that struggle and you win, and it's mm. so it's so good. On the track, some of the most memorable days have been the hardest days, where we've had to walk 25 kilometres, you know, in, in 45 degree heat, and it was tough at the time. But we got through it together, and then at the end of the day, it's one of the best days you've ever had. So, 
for people out there going through struggles or going through tough times, just know that you need to ride it out and you need to work your way out of it, scratch, kick and claw your way out of it. And when you do that, life will be better. It will be. Mate, I've got a question that just comes out of natural curiosity. You spoke there about being a leader now, mm. having experienced what you have and you know, creating this path for people. I wonder if you were always what you'd identify as a leader in like your footy days and those early years. Or do you think that's been a part of you becoming the man that you are in these last few years? I think I've definitely increased my leadership qualities as yeah. I got older and that. But I think when I was playing, I was, um, I was that sort of... What, what would I say? That teammate. I, I provided a few laughs for the team. I, 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 I was that. I wanted to make my team feel good, and I, I'd organise um, some functions that we do have and do. I was that sort of guy. Yeah. Um, and then towards the end of my career, yeah, bit of leadership, but nothing compared to what I've got now. And I, I now I've got know that I've got a lot of responsibility. Um, I'm running. I'm you know I'm the head of a very big foundation that people have put a lot of effort into and a lot of money into. Um, so my responsibility is to lead the best I can and, um, you know, continue our, our, our sort of aggressive approach to, to finding an answer to brain, cure for brain cancer. Yeah. Mate, of course, you know, you spoke there about being the leader of this ship mm. and or we'll call it the captain um, yeah. for name's sake. And now you've also got the gyms with Air Locker. What inspires you to go, okay, I'm going to put more weight on my shoulders and you know, arguably that weight makes us stronger, right? But what inspires you to continue to pivot and yeah. and put stress on yourself, essentially, in, in all these different areas of your life? Well, once I got sick, I promised myself I'd only do meaningful things that make a difference and make me feel better and people around me feel better. And I stumbled across um, Airlocker. I was just starting up in Newcastle and went and met these, those guys and quickly loved the fact that it brought people together. It improved your fitness. It made you feel better. I loved all that stuff. So I thought, I, I want to be a part of this and became a partner in Airlocker. So I'm very glad that I can see people improve their lives, make their day better mm. by coming in, training, giving it their all, and then um, and also having that camaraderie and mateship. So it just ticked the boxes and it was a nice, nice leveler. You know, I've got the foundation, which I do, which I'm 100% volunteer for. Um, and then I've got this uh, air locker stuff on the side. Um, you know, I get busy and all that, but um, it's good. It's good busy, and um, I'm very grateful uh, of the journey of air locker training. And you know, we're franchising them out around Australia. And I just want to see our franchisees' lives change, and I want to see all our members come in, come in and um, and, in, and improve their life by by doing air locker. Explain Air Locker a little bit to the people at yeah. home who maybe don't understand. So it's different. It's group training, but what we do, we take the oxygen out of the air. So we're breathing 21% oxygen at the moment. In our gyms, you'll breathe, you're, the air you're breathing will be about 13 or 14% oxygen. Okay. So your body works harder naturally. So you do less, but you, um, you burn out more calories and there's all these Could other... Could have used a bit of that before base camp, eh? Yeah, that, I, yeah that's exactly right. But basically, you can get fitter quicker and yeah. easier because of the environment we're in. And we do all these amazing programs in a group environment. And, um, you know, we just couldn't be happy with the way that's going. So, yeah, really excited about Airlocker. And, um, you know, I go in there and train myself. So I personally feel better. I, I have a community in my gym, uh, in our gyms, wherever they are. Um, and that, that makes me feel quite proud. Mate, 100%. Would you say that training is a big part of you keeping a healthy state of mind more so than body 
Yes, yes. I think um, my day just seems to go better when I get up and train. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it is physical. It's important, but mentally as well, I just, everything seems to go better when I'm training. So, um, I've been a bit off lately, so I haven't trained probably for five or six days, and I feel I can feel that in myself. So I'm looking forward to probably tomorrow morning getting back into some training. For sure. Mm. Talk to me about you know at risk of looking ahead, which I know we spoke about, sp- yeah. you know, living in the present and doing what's in front of us. But is there anything you haven't tried yet that you think is a part of your journey to come? No, look, I, I've done. You know, I've. I've, I've, I've done corporate speaking in front of 400 people. I've, I've, I've done lots of television stuff I've, I've, um, to spread the word. You know, I've, I've, um, I've had a bit of a go at lots of different things. Um, but my life now will be dedicated to, you know, my family. It'll be dedicated to um, the charity. Um, quite simply, I've got to find an answer. The stakes are high here for me mm. and so many others. So that's the goal and that's what... We're going to create some history, and we're going to, you know, we're going to find an answer to brain cancer. And then on the side of that, um, we're going to change lives in Airlocker by making, giving people a really friendly, good environment to train. So I think it's really nice. So um, I encourage you to come and do a session. Mate, hundred percent. I'll get around it because it intrigues me, and Mm. I need the fitness. (laughs) I'm I'm too close to Melbourne Mara to to go without that extra little bit of fitness. I'll, um, I'll have to come and have yeah, a crack. come and have a crack. That'll be good. It. That'll be good. Mate, where can the listeners and the viewers support you? Like, yeah. you know, th- this foundation is so big. There's so many moving parts. Yeah. You know, can you maybe give them an idea from, you know, the average person who wants to help raise some money yeah. or wants to donate some money and then maybe even to the more medically inclined, like a nurse who thinks, you know, I'd love to work yeah. with them. Yeah, probably simple things would be, uh, the Mark Hughes Foundation on Instagram or Facebook. Yep. We'll get on the Mark Hughes Foundation website. Um, every year our beanies come around, so you can organise um, some beanie fundraising. You might yep. want to, you know, your footy club or your netball team or your school can yep. do beanie day. That's a real simple way of um, getting involved. People do lots of things. They they bike ride, they, they hold morning teas, they have luncheons. They, there's lots of different things you can do to help the foundation. And mark my words, we need the support. We've got a lot of support out there, but God, we've still got, we've still got some work to do. So we still need that support. Um, you can register it to be a volunteer uh, on our website and then our, um, our amazing team will contact you and we might need help in Sydney or for, yeah. for this or Brisbane or whatever. So there are probably some simple ways to, to get uh, in contact with what we're doing. Mate, I love it. I love yeah. it. And I'll make sure that all of that's in the show notes so people listening to the show are watching yeah. can get amongst it and get yeah. around you guys. I want to finish with a consistent theme of the podcast, which is five questions and five answers. Yeah. It's almost like the beautiful conclusion to a great episode. Yeah. But it also gets sent out separately as like a little trailer or teaser for the episode that was. Sure. Give people a bit of an idea on you and who you yeah. are as a human. Sure. So the five questions are always the same for every yeah. guest. The first one is... If you could recommend only one book or podcast to the listeners and viewers, what would it be? One book? Um, I haven't read a book since I had surgery. Um, podcast? I don't listen to many podcasts. Man, I'm sorry. I just, I don't, I, I don't really feel I've got one. Well, what about a movie? Um, or is there any piece of literature, art, um, creativity that you think has just helped you? What's something you uh, go back to? Um, oh, mate, you should have gave me prep for these ones. <laughs> um, 
<sighs> yeah, I don't know, mate. I don't, I don't read. I don't read these days. Now and again, I'll listen to some inspiration on um, on the YouTube and that, you know, like yeah. videos. But yeah. I don't I don't have nothing that I can just say, go and listen to. Do you have a mate or someone you go to? Like, we've all got one person that, like, you ring up when you need a little bit of something. Mm. Um, I, I think um, talking to friends is really important. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I've got some special mates that I will go to and talk to when I, I need... Um, that and they're really close mates of mine so yeah. for me that's probably as important as reading a book or listening to a, a YouTube it. it's just getting around close mates and <clears throat> and talking to them and feeling them out on how I should handle situations um, real connection yeah real probably. connection I love yeah. it mate yeah the second is is there a skill that you'd recommend trying to master that significantly improved your life um, I think um, I think talking I think um, it scares a lot of people, but it's a good skill to have, is just to um, get out of your comfort zone and talk and, and don't be afraid to talk in front of the group and challenge yourself to do that because I think that's a nice, and you do it really well. Um, Thank you. I think it's a good skill to have. Mate, I love mm. it. A simple one too, and I think, like you said, it only enriches your life. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's for feeling supported yeah. or supporting another yeah. and just connecting with people. I think for sure. It's, honestly, it's... It's almost the first skill, right? Yeah. It's, it's the one that served us for the longest time. Yeah. But it's, um, not, easy to, it's not easy to execute in front so of the crowd, true. is it? Yeah. So true. Third question is, what's a challenge? And maybe we can steer away from um, the big challenge itself, but maybe a smaller challenge within it that you face that's required you to really exercise your resilience to overcome. Well, okay, outside of the foundation, um, I think, I think as a sportsman, you endure injuries. And at times you think it's the end of the world, but it's not. Um, you will recover and you'll get better. And no matter what level of sport you play, you'll probably get an injury. Uh, for me, just injuries and just rehabbing and getting myself back. And I think my dedication and commitment to getting back from injuries as a sportsman really helped me in my situation down the track. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. Mate, is there an attribute or, I guess, an attribute that you've worked at developing that you think is such an important piece to play in, in life at the moment? Uh, I think presence, um, as in be present with who you're talking to. Um, and no matter what the situation, give people your time and um, respect. Because we do all get busy sometimes and... You'll find you, you know you know it's like you're talking to someone, but you're looking over the shoulder because your mates are over there, and mm -hmm. so it's just about being present and respectful for who for who you're with and what you're doing. And I think if people do that in life, um, I think it's um, it's a nice thing. Mate, have you ever heard of Hugh Van Cullenberg? Start no. the Resilience Project. Yeah, I don't know. Um, no. Amazing speaker, really good book, great mm. podcast. He does a few things, and I heard Hugh talk about it in a podcast where he said. He always felt like sometimes when he's super busy in life, he avoids personal situations because he doesn't have the time to speak. Mm. And then he said, then I realized that I don't want to ever be the guy who doesn't have time to stop and talk to someone. And I noticed in my life that when I'm a little, when I take the weight of the world off my shoulders and I stress a little less about where I have to be and how quickly I have to be there, and I'm just present, and you actually talk yeah. and you listen to yeah. people, yeah. you can meet some really intriguing people. And learn a lot. Mate, so much. The last guest of the podcast, I was sitting at a Gang of Hiss concert in Sydney. He walked in, I recognised his face somewhat from being in the local area. 
and we sat and we chatted, mate. He had the most incredible story, mm. and he ended up being a podcast guest, and he's now mm. become a mate. And it's just, I thought after that concert, I thought, how do I have just thought, oh, I'm just here to watch the concert and yeah. not spoken? Like, what would I have missed out yeah. on? Yeah. And and, um, so true. So true. And a little interesting fact is that you don't learn nothing whilst you're talking, you know? So sometimes you just got to zip it up, yeah. use these, yeah. and you'll learn a lot. And um, you know, that's, I think that's important. Mate, I could probably do a bit more listening than I do talking, uh, let me tell you. We're all guilty yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, the last question arguably the most important of the whole podcast is a really good opportunity for you to leave a message with the audience. So if you had one message to share with the world and you could encourage them to act on it, what would that message be? I think um, my message will be that life gets tough. It does uh, at times. And um, we've just got to show resilience. You know, it's not all going to go to plan. So when your turn comes in life to deal with situations, step up, be the leader, um, take each day as it comes and, and fight your way out of it and um, be supported by your friends and family and, and, and do some great things. Don't, don't worry about statistics or whatever, what everyone else's journey, just focus on yourself and give yourself every chance of fighting and, and, and winning um, because life can be tough at times and we've just got to just deal with it so that's probably a good thing. Mark Hughes, mate, I want to celebrate everything you've achieved thus far. I want to encourage you to keep going because your work is so powerful, mate. Even just what you say and, and the conversations that people have with you, they really do rub off and, and do so much good. So, mate, thank awesome. you so much. Thank you, Brad. That was great. Um, a great chat, mate. So I really appreciate that. Thanks for coming from Wollongong. Mate, pleasure. And I hope if, if people get one little thing out of it, we've done our job. Mate, we definitely have. Great. Cheers.